Good morning. Welcome to this edition of the Railroad Study Show with Aaron and Ken. Uh, this is the first morning edition of the show. Um, <laughs> I have here my cup of coffee. I have here my uh, Amfleet. Well, no, actually my Horizon car, because today we're going to be talking about Amtrak a lot. And, of course, some other things. Uh, so let's uh, get started. This episode strictly railroad news. We got a lot of news going on. It's uh, April 8th, 2021. A lot of things are happening. Um, so the first thing I want to start off with is the biggest news, I think, so far of the last two of the last two months or maybe even the last decade or so, as far as railroad news goes, is uh, the CPKCS merger. Um, I don't have an exact date for when. I was started like two weeks ago. Uh, CP and KCS announced that they were going to merge, forming a road called CPKC. Um, they would have three headquarters, one in Mexico, one in America. No, two in America. And then, of course, there's one in Canada. Yeah, it's going to be the first um, class one railroad in North America to be in Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. I actually lied. Um, they're going to be moving the American headquarters to Kansas City. Mm. But the current Canadian headquarters will stay the same as, as long with uh, along with uh, the KCS headquarters in uh, Mexico. Where CP, are those located? CP is located in uh, their headquarters is located in Calgary. Um, mm. Kansas City Southern's Mexico um, headquarters. I want to say they're based in Monterey. Mm. No, they're based in uh, they're based in Mexico City. Oh, okay. It's what I figured. <laughs> I mean, when you really think about it, that really speaks to the effect that this railroad's going to have. We're dealing with three three headquarters in three centrally located cities in three nations. Yeah. So this is going to be really wild. This is going to be North America's first three nation railroad. Um, I, I'm going to tell you this, Aaron. I I saw something happening with KCS, but I did not see this coming. Um, but when you think about it, it really makes sense. Um, Kansas City, Southern, uh, Kansas City is the only place where CP and KCS meet. Um, so basically, what they're getting is that they're getting an expanded network with with no duplicates, which is going to make it very likely for them to uh, to uh, pass through the uh, Surface Transportation Board's uh, approval process. Mm. Um, so. Back in 2001, when other railroads were merging, uh, fresh off the heels of the Conrail split between CSX and NS, uh, the Service Transportation Board came out with a ruling that basically that Kansas City Southern would be exempt uh, from the full uh, review process for other mergers. Uh, they said that their status as a, as a smallest class one made them special. So basically what that did is set legally it set precedent that Kansas City Southern is so small that any railroad can really just take them and not have to deal with regulatory approval processes that can take one or two years. Mm. Um, but that being said, what's been going on is that NS and BNSF have raised questions about this, and they actually wrote a letter to the Surface Transportation Board saying, hey, wait a minute, we want you to take a closer look at this. Um, but I feel like it is important that neither railroad said that they opposed nor, you know, uh, encouraged the um, the merge. Um, so that's pretty much, I'd say, a mild pushback 
uh, for them. So, you know, this is, you know, fresh news. We're going to have to see what happens in the coming uh, months and hopefully years. That's pretty much it for my, for my uh, CPKC spill. Um, it's just going to, uh, it's going to suck to see uh, KCS go uh, because they were the longest class one that was still here that survived without merging. Yeah. Um, so this is pretty much the last traditional uh, railroad in America going away. Uh, but, you know, times change and, you know, it's 2021. They had a run of over 100 years. So no one could say that they can't, they can't, uh, they can't have solid this coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at like most of the, yeah, most of the class one railroads, their names are these alphabet soup acronyms of these different railroads that they've brought together. Like BNSF is Burlington Northern Santa Fe. Um, Yeah. NS Norfolk Southern is a combination of Norfolk and Western and the Southern Railroad. Yep. CSX is Chessie Seaboard X because the X doesn't stand for anything. It's just there because it looks cool. Because uh, <laughs> they combined the Chesapeake and Ohio with the Seaboard System Railway. The X just stands for merger. Yeah. Just like we kind of combine these two things, yeah, I I, th- I I agree with you wholeheartedly. It seems like mo- modern railroad branding has uh, become very uh, very boring. I'm I'm kind of disappointed that they came up with the name CPKC. I feel like they should did like Canada Southern or something. Yeah, but uh, I just hope that you know they come up with a new livery because that's going to be pretty cool. If uh. There's there's gonna be a new paint scheme uh, dropping yeah. for all the rail fans. <laughs> I think that wraps that up. Onward to the next section, Amtrak. Now I do have to preface this now that I'm an Amtrak employee. My views do not represent those of my employer. These are my personal views strictly, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Amtrak has nothing to do with my. Uh, personal views or the spiel that's about to come up within the next 15 to 20 minutes. So Antrick has survived 50 years of torment and political assault and people still ride the trains. They said that Antrick wouldn't last five years. No, they said that Antrick wouldn't last a month, five months. Um, and, uh, we're still here today. So, uh, Coming, uh, coming up in May, May 1st. That's going to be 50 years of Amtrak. It goes to show you that uh, Americans really still want their trains. Fuck you, Nixon. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. He, he formed Amtrak. Yeah, but when he formed it, it was the idea was that it would just be a way to like phase out passenger rail. Thank God for Watergate. Thank God for Watergate. And <laughs> what, what Nixon and the other feds didn't realize at the time was that, you know, People like trains, actually. And Amtrak ended up being way more successful than they ever thought. Yeah. They basically, they, you know, they set it up to be a failure, but. That people would not allow it to be. Yeah. If you ever want to stick it to like Richard Nixon, buy an Amtrak ticket, ride a train. Ride a train. Ride a train. Yep. Amtrak's first long distance charger just appeared out the factory last week. It looks really nice. 
Mm-hmm. It looks really nice. I think they're going to be great locomotives. Uh, I think a lot of people like to talk crap about the Chargers, but the thing is about the Chargers is that the first run ever built runs in Chicago right now. I think that they just have a lot of issues because they're a uh, European design locomotive working in America. And it takes a lot of time to be able to get your shops, you know, ready to work on a European style locomotive. I'm actually friends with a Siemens uh, charger mechanic. He's the master mechanic for Siemens. And he couldn't stress me enough the importance of, you know, it's going to take some time, you know, but these are, these are good engines, you know, and, you know, I think he says that they, he thinks that they're going to do very well in their long distance application. Um, So I'm excited to uh, ride behind one. Uh, It's going to be very, very, very surreal though, to see a long distance train be pulled by something other than a P42, especially for me, unlike Aaron, who lives on the Northeast corridor, uh, it's all diesel out here in Chicago. And, you know, we, I see P42s, you know, pretty much every day. If I, if I go out to uh, the Chicago line, just North of me, it's exciting to see things change. You know. Yeah, I obviously can't speak for the Chargers. I've, I've never ridden on a train with them, but I have ridden behind the Siemens other Amtrak locomotive, the ACS, Amtrak City Sprinter, and they are very good locomotives. I'll tell you that much. Uh, those, are, those are the electric ones that they use on the corridor. Um, from what I know, those locomotives have been very reliable. They're fast. They're efficient. They're speed demons. They, you know, they have like close to 10,000 horsepower. Wow. I mean, I know that the, the Chargers have had some teething issues, but yeah. I have confidence in them. If they're anything like the um, ACS, then they should be pretty good. You know? Yeah, I, I think I think they're going to do well, and they look great too. The thing I love about the Siemens Charger is that the way they designed it, it looks like nothing else on the rails. Mm. It's a very unique design. Yeah. Um, and I just, I go crazy for it because it's so, it's it's sleek and it's brash and it's new. I think they, they really hit, hit out of the ballpark with design. I'm very, 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 very happy with the way they turned out. I couldn't imagine any other locomotive, to be honest. I couldn't imagine any locomotive to be better. Um. I actually heard this before from Antrick Engineer. Uh, before the Siemens Charger, they were actually considering having a passenger version of the Jeevo. Just having it look, just having it as a freight locomotive. I'm glad we dodged that bullet. I know a lot of rail fans who probably would have preferred that, but I personally prefer the aesthetics of passenger locomotives to freight ones, especially with um, like a passenger. Yeah, train. with a passenger train. It's just it's just kind of odd to see like a freight locomotive with like passenger cars behind, you know, vice versa, like a, a passenger locomotive in front of a, a train of, you know, box cars and flat cars and auto racks and whatever. Yeah, it's also a weird looking thing. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, I kind of like it. So here in Chicago, we have a version of a freight locomotive called Dash 8 and uh Amtrak had a few of them there. It's actually on my shirt right now. And they, they look like freight locomotives, but they're internally designed like pasture locomotives. Hmm. I thought like the concept is so wacky. I always liked them a little bit. Uh, and uh, they're still around. And the good thing is too, that, 
even though they can, uh, they usually haul freight trains, like for uh, uh, Amtrak's maintenance of way, uh, they'll haul like uh, cars full of ballast or ties. The good thing is that whenever a passenger locomotive does break down, they can be used as a passenger locomotive too. Yeah. Uh, but I still, I still think that it'd be kind of weird if you're designing, you know, your national fleet after that kind of look. The Siemens Charger conveys the right idea that pasture rail is not only here to stay, but it's it's fresher and bolder than ever. Yeah, and that it's like um, modern and um, yes, contemporary for the for the future. I mean, you know, with this obviously with the the climate crisis we're going through right now, um, yeah. passenger rail really should be celebrated as the you know main no way. mode of travel yeah um you know it's it's actually kind of ironic that you say that i'm reminded of a story uh of when i was going through my uh my travels through england i had uh upgraded my ticket to first class and i was going to the national railway museum in york i'd say about three hours north of uh, london i got seated to this very nice elderly lady and we had a very pleasant conversation in first class about climate because the East Coast Main Line is kind of like Indiana. It's all flat. And recently, the countryside was going through an extraordinary amount of flooding. Uh, you mm-hmm. could see where farm fields were flooded. And the first thing she she spoke of was climate change. And as an American, I'm not used to hearing that right off the bat. You know, I think especially in the Midwest, it's something that people don't talk about. Some people don't even believe in it, sadly. Um mm-hmm. But at that point, I realized just like there's other places in the world other than America. And I kind of realized the importance of traveling by train then because, you know, here I am having this nice, pleasant experience with this, you know, this very lovely lady. And uh, here we are, you know, we're contributing towards making the planet better versus riding a plane where we'd be stressed out and, you know, not having a pleasant conversation just because plane culture is different than train culture, but that's a different story entirely. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I really do think that, you know, especially with the younger generation, I think that people our age like to be more social. And I think that, you know, train travel is definitely an experience that is going to blossom as our generation gets older and older. I actually, I'm going to go as far as to make a prediction, and I'm going to say that in 10 to 15 years, train culture is going to be like pop culture. It's going to be really cool to be in the trains. Mm. Um, but that's a very different topic. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to leave that for a future episode. But uh, they hit it out of the ballpark with a charger, and you know, it's a beautiful locomotive with beautiful design. It's very fast, very sleek, and uh, honestly, I couldn't be happier with it. Onward on the Amtrak list, uh, long-distance travel is going to uh, be returning in May as a fully scheduled thing. Basically, Congress had appropriated the funding in order to have Amtrak be able to run trains uh, daily because of the service cuts that they had to make during Corona. And that's very exciting for me. Very exciting. I know that a lot of people, you know, depend on the train to get where they're going. But a lot, a lot of people who live in rural communities in places like North Dakota or yeah, Colorado, you know, even even out east in like Alabama, you know, yeah, there are people who live in these communities where these, you know, long distance train services are really the main way, yeah, in and out of town. 
So people really depend on these, you know, in order to, to get places. Yeah, just they're like really vital for these these communities. So to have them run, you know, only three times a week instead of every day is... Yeah, it's worrisome. Yeah. But the thing is, and the, the principle still holds true to this day, like in 1971, now, 50 years later, people still want to ride trains, you know? Yeah. And... uh I think uh, I think it's a very wonderful thing that they were able to do this. And recently, within the last week, I've heard some very exciting news. Uh, Congress is going to consider having an Amtrak trust fund, which would mean that basically Amtrak wouldn't have to go from funding bill to funding bill like they do now. Amtrak would never have to be had, never have to worry about being funded again by Congress, which would be a massive i can't i can't even state how much of a game changer that would be yeah it would be ridiculous it would honestly be ridiculous we might actually i can't believe i'm I'm actually saying this we might actually get closer to a world-class well not even closer i think we might actually improve towards a world-class system yeah and uh the reason why i say approve is just like amtrak amtrak doesn't do a bad job at all in fact i think that they do a wonderful job with the resources that they're given but of course always i'm going to say amtrak needs more funding you know the cars are old the trains are old you know um you're dealing with like wonderful people in the beach grove shops they're they're rebuilding 20 year old locomotives and they're literally making them look new you know which is a wonderful thing i think that that speaks a lot to the spirit of american ingenuity but you know, come on, we can get new locomotives. You know, we can get new cars. We can, you know, yeah, get yeah. A lot at of this. the the passenger cars, like the, I mean, the Amfleet ones, the, the Horizons. You know, those were those were among the first trains that um, yeah Amtrak purchased in its existence, and they're they've been running all this time. And don't get me wrong, I love them. They're they're wonderful trains, but they're old. Yeah. And, you know, with that comes, you know, higher maintenance costs. Exactly. And, and I, less I do wanna, safety features. I do want to say this, too. I don't think I've ever been on an Antrek card that really looked old. You know, like when you go inside the car, it feels like they're taken care of very well. Mm. You know, and uh, I think, you know, Antrek that speaks to their spirit is that they do the best with what they have, but really they deserve more. Yeah. I think that's how, how I would wrap, wrap up the statement. And uh, what I'm hearing through the pipeline is we might get more. Um, I know that soon I've heard through uh, my sources that they are going to announce a 75 car order for um, intercity trains. Mm. Now it's it's looking like Siemens might win that contract, but we'll have to see uh, because you know things do happen. And by but, by intercity, because um, I mean, of course, technically all of Amtrak is yeah intercity. Do you mean like corridor routes specifically, or long distance, or corridor routes? Okay, corridor routes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I had heard rumors that Amtrak is considering multiple units. Really? Yeah. It explained to the, the listeners who might not know, there are two kinds of trains, basically. There's your traditional style train, which has a engine 
at the front, the locomotive, or sometimes the back. With Amtrak, it's usually the front. That's where the motors are that power the, the train and move the train. All the other cars, they're just unpowered coaches that get pulled by it. And then the other kind of train is what's called a multiple unit train, where basically each train car or a pair of train cars has small engines in them under the seats usually. So the whole train is moving itself along without needing an engine at the front. And, you know, of course, all subway trains are, are electric multiple units. A lot of commuter trains, um, at least in the New York area, are also electric multiple unit trains. There are a few diesel-powered DMU, diesel multiple unit trains in the U.S. for commuter service, like Smart in the Bay Area of California, but generally pretty rare in this country. Um, they're a lot more common in other countries like the UK. My personal opinion is I'm not the biggest fan of DMUs, diesel multiple units. They just have a poor ride quality in general. I mean, as you can imagine, having a diesel engine right under your seat yeah. is, is not the nicest experience. I rode my first train that I rode in England was a super sprinter and it was loud. It was uncomfortable. It was just an all around less pleasant experience. Now, my response was EMUs, electric multiple units or DMUs, diesel multiple units. Uh, you know, like what are we... Where are we getting at here? That's a very that's a very dual bold, mode. That is a very bold claim. I haven't heard that. Yeah. And my my source said they are considering all three of those. Now, to my knowledge, there are no dual mode multiple units in existence, but there, I could be wrong about that. The reason why I'm skeptical of this of Amtrak getting multiple unit trains is because most of Amtrak's network is not electrified. Yes. However, the Northeast Corridor, as well as the Keystone Corridor, which branches off of it, are electrified. And that's kind of, those are like among the busiest segments of the system. And there are several routes that Amtrak uses that where they run on the electrified Northeast Corridor for part of their route and then they run on the unelectrified lines on the other routes pulled by a diesel engine. And they just swap the, the electric engine out for a diesel engine. And like I said, to my knowledge, there aren't really any dual mode multiple unit trains out there. That's a limitation. The other thing is it reduces flexibility of the fleet a lot because Amtrak moves around their cars between different kinds of trains all the time, like diesel trains, electric yeah. trains, long distance, corridor. So they will add cars to a train to make it longer, which yes, you can do with multiple units. But the thing is with multiple units, they usually come in like a sets of like specific numbers of cars. So it's just harder to, to add and subtract trains based on travel demand, which Amtrak does, for example, like Thanksgiving weekend is a super busy weekend. So not only do they run more trains, but they actually run longer trains during that period. 
Well, um, it, it, it all comes down to design. And the thing, the thing that I do want to say too about dual mode DMUs is that they are building them. They're a newer technology in England, but they do exist. Mm. And I want to see either one or two of them are running mainline services right now. Um, but that being said, my local railroad, the South Shore Line, they are a strictly MU road. And the way that they designed each car was each car was designed to be drivable by themselves. Now, over the years, they bought a order of trailer cars, which were basically coaches that can be sandwiched in between. Yeah. I don't know what Amtrak is going to do. It seems like Amtrak is really heading towards a uh, policy of going towards a European-style railroad. I'm wondering if we're going to see MUs like uh, the Caltrain MUs, the, the, the uh, Kisses, which are basically like a, a Deutsche uh, Bundesbahn-style uh <laughs> MU, which would be pretty cool. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We might even see something custom built by Siemens. You you know, you just don't know what these things, but I think I have enough faith in Antrax fleet management where I think they thought about these variables already. Yeah. And we're probably going to get a very good product if they do go with the uh, MU route. Well, for one, they've just ordering a bunch of new locomotives right now. And the thing is with unpowered coaches, they can, you know, you can use them in combination with other unpowered coaches and engines and use them in combination with their existing fleet. Yeah. And with multiple units. I, I think that'd be a step too, uh, too, too out of bounds. Yeah. For, for especially American Railroad. American Railroads are very set in their ways, which is why I'm kind of surprised about Amtrak's trend of becoming more Europeanized. Yeah. I guess you can say. But I mean, do we really have a choice? You know, there's yeah. no there's no American car builders anymore. There's That's no American true. locomotive builders anymore who'll make a passenger locomotive. So uh, unfortunately, you'll you get what you get. Yeah, I think we've we've talked enough about this. I like I said, this is basically a rumor. I mean, I'm hearing this from a friend who's heard it from a friend who claims to have heard it from well, someone working at well, Amtrak. If rumors are going around, something is happening. Yeah. That's that's I think that's that's pretty much the gist of uh, today's episode. Is that a lot of things are happening. <laughs> Well, we're not done with Amtrak still. No, um, we're not. The Night Owl has returned. Trains number 66 and 67 have been restored to their former glory with a sleeping car. Now, this is this is pretty tight. I really, really like this. Um, I actually wrote an article about it uh, two years ago saying that how I really, really wish that these trains would get uh, a, a sleeping car again. And I'm just stoked that they finally did it. Yeah. Um, the first run of these trains was earlier this week. I actually, I really, really wanted to ride them, but I'm just too busy at this point in my life that to take the time to like go on a, a trip like that. But yeah, I, I really wanted to do it. Yeah, we were we were mentioned this in the railroad news segment of a of a previous episode, but you know, amenities include you know the dining car, continental breakfast upon arrival in Washington D.C. or Boston. Yep, you get the uh, you get the free drink too. Just generally, uh, very nice service. It's just I I I have to say this because this makes me so happy, Aaron. It's just so classy, you know. Yeah. It's it's so romantic to have a train like that. I feel like you know this is really the 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 sleeping train of the East Coast, 
And, you know, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, how I would feel just like getting on at Washington, D.C. It's so it's so it's so romantic. It's so I don't want to say noir because it isn't. This is the modern day. But and, like who 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 goes in the modern era? Yeah, I have to catch my sleeping car train to Boston at 730. <laughs> I will see you after uh, my, my my complimentary drink. It's just so nice. It's so nice. Yeah, especially right now with COVID, yeah, having the privacy of your own compartment on a train is really quite wonderful. Yeah, you know, it, it just it makes a lot of sense in terms of limiting the spread of disease in this case. Um, yeah, I mean, I think even once the pandemic ends, I think I think people are going to appreciate that privacy in a way that they didn't before COVID. And that's what to say too, it's a perfect train for businessmen too. It's a good it's a good train for business because not only are you saving a day by traveling at night in a weird way, but you can do so in a way that leaves you refreshed when you get to your uh, destination, which is yeah. really a ploy used by railroads historically to sell sleeping car tickets that's similar to um what happened in the realm of transatlantic flights why the concord ultimately failed which i know we're you know we're sad about about this because the concord was quite an incredible plane but you know the concord right was this supersonic plane that went across the Atlantic Ocean in like two hours or something crazy. Yeah. Like but basically what happened, I want to say starting in the, the 90s, you know, conventional transatlantic flights, which, you know, from New York to London or Paris, which route that the Concorde take, that's like a six hour flight. They started having these like premium business class seating with these lie flat seats, you know, that would like turn into like a bed basically and you know as overnight flights and you know basically they sold it as this idea where you get on this plane um at night you go to sleep and you wake up in your destination you've lost effectively no working time at all yeah and you can make your 9 a.m conference in the place you know meanwhile with the the concord yeah, it only takes you two hours to get there, but you also have to get to the airport. You have to be at the airport um, two hours before your flight. Yeah, you it to, takes time. It takes time. You know, so the two-hour flight ends up taking something like six hours out of your day. Yeah. And you've lost like half your working day. Yeah. So for the people who could afford, you know, the business travelers, it was like, well, business class on the on a plane where you could sleep overnight and lose no time at all or lose six hours of your day in a plane that was more cramped and just less comfortable. Yeah. Unfortunately. So that's ultimately why the Concorde failed to compete with those flights. You know, if we're just talking about the train service, similar, like New York to London on the Concorde was like two hours. New York to DC on the Acela is a little over two hours. New York to Boston is... Four hours, I want to say. That's about three and a half. Three and a half to four. That's still a, a decent chunk of the day. Well, the thing is for New York to Boston is that these people actually aren't going to Boston at all because you didn't use the Fall River route. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know why we're even having this conversation. They're going to Fool's Boston. In fact, no one's actually been to Boston since, like, what, 1935? 1940-something, I think, 
this one the phone. I'm sorry. You have you have to be an advanced viewer of this show to get that joke. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, my point is you're still you're still gonna use up a, a decent chunk of your day. Yeah. Which, you know, usually is during the daytime, which is time that you could be spending in meetings if you're a businessman. Yeah. For business people, you know, you're going to spend a few hundred dollars on your ticket. Exactly. Uh, Anyway, you know, you could either spend that money on business class on the Acela, lose a chunk of the the day where you could be in conferences, getting work done and making money, or you could travel overnight, sleep in a comfortable bed on a sleeper train, effectively lose no work time and not have to pay for a hotel room for the night because you spend it on the train. And the price difference, once you factor in those other variables of work time and um, price of a hotel room alone, the sleeper train is actually cheaper, probably. Yeah, many reasons to ride the night owl. Yeah. Many so reasons I ride. think especially coming this age, we're coming into the post-corona era once most business travelers are going to be vaccinated. I think that the night owl has a very good opportunity to become quite successful. Yeah. And I think the existence of this night owl, if it proves, you know, successful, it also opens up the door of introducing other overnight services on yeah. other corridor routes. For example, the Adirondack, yeah. um, which this is something I've been advocating for years. So the Adirondack, wonderful train ride. One of my favorites It's beautiful scenic ride up the Hudson River through the Adirondack Mountains along Lake Champlain. But it's a 13-hour train ride, you know. Yeah. It leaves around 10 in the morning and you, you arrive at the other end from New York to Montreal or Montreal to New York around 10 in the evening. That that's an entire day that you've spent on this, this It's a train. long trip. It's, it's a, a beautiful trip. trip, but it's long. And if you're a business person, there's not really so much work you can get done during that time. I mean, even just as like a tourist traveler, a lot of times people don't like spending their entire day on the train because that's time that they could spend at their destination, you know, doing sightseeing and whatever. If you only have like a limited time off to go on your vacation, you might not want to lose two entire days to traveling yeah that's why actually a lot of the buses that do that route are overnight buses do they wake people up at the border yes okay and unlike the train where the border officials board the train and you know check your documents on board you have to get off the bus and enter the like customs facility at the border it's just a very miserable experience i've never done it personally, but I know plenty of people who have done it. Those overnight buses are actually more expensive than the train. Really? Yeah. Huh. The train is $69 each way. Nice. The overnight buses are like $85, $90. Man, that's expensive. Yeah, but people are paying a premium for the the ability to travel overnight, basically. Um, Which means Amtrak should do it. But the only thing yeah. is that it's it's such a logistical challenge to do it's with also, a sleeping car. Those bus those buses are also faster. Instead of taking thirteen hours, they they do it in about seven or eight hours. Really? Wow. Yeah, because the they drive up the the highways. You know, the speed limit on the throughway in New York is sixty five, and then the the north way north of there is the state speed limit of fifty five. So you know they're going decently fast for most yeah. of the route. Whereas 
the Adirondack, I mean, it's lovely, it's scenic, but it's just a very old line. It takes through the Adirondacks that is not particularly fast. And once you cross into Canada, the tracks that it run on are poorly maintained and incredibly slow. I like those tracks. <laughs> I They're just fun re- yeah. I remember riding on that section and looking out the window and I saw someone riding a bike faster than the train. It's pretty it's pretty hilarious. You bounce around a lot. Yeah. So those buses are faster and they're overnight. So people pay extra for that. There is a cheaper option if you take the night bus that's run by Hasidic Jews. This Let's just say if you're not Jewish, you don't know what you're getting yourself into with that. It's It'll be a culture shock for you. This is a bus where women sit in the back and men sit in the front. Is there prayer? People will pray on the bus, yeah. Huh. And it stops in like these middle of nowhere towns in like the Catskills where there are large Hasidic communities. Is the Liberty New York one of them? Yeah. <laughs> the drivers, they drive very fast. <laughs> They're pretty crazy. So yeah, uh, that exists as an option. It's not easy to get oh. tickets. You have to get the tickets by calling a phone number. You know, there's no website or booking office or anything like that. So hmm. it stops in the Hasidic neighborhoods of New York and uh, Montreal, as opposed to like a centrally located bus terminal. That's an option if you don't have a lot of money. It doesn't run obviously on Shabbos, so Friday nights or on Jewish holidays. Okay. Um, so that you have to work with those limitations but anyway sorry aside from that yeah the the main buses most of the buses are more expensive than amtrak specifically because mainly because they run overnight and so i think if amtrak ran an overnight train on that route they would be quite successful yeah especially you know with their cheaper price point too and the the last thing i want to talk about on our amtrak list is how we got this conversation is that that corridor in specific was was marked for improvement on Amtrak's 2035 map. So basically Amtrak has released a map last week that states what they want to do by the year 2035. And it, it's possibly the most wide ranging pasture improvements. And I would say the last, dare I say it, even 60, 70 years. It's pretty, it's pretty comprehensive. We have here Amtrak to Ramoncoma. Ron Ron Bob, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Ron that's, that's a that's a really interesting choice. I'm I'm really curious what they want to do with that. Amtrak to Scranton, Amtrak to Chicago to Toronto, uh, Amtrak back to Indianapolis down to Louisville. The list goes on. It's it's very wide ranging. I do want to say that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to see if Amtrak gets their own trust fund. Phoenix is going to have passenger rail again for like the first time in like 25 years because Las Vegas. Yeah, Las Vegas is getting passenger service again. It's pretty incredible, even if there are some questionable choices on there, like for example, the route to Ronkonkoma. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, the fact that there's a route to Louisville and a route to Nashville, and they're kind of just seem to be going towards each other, but then there's just this big 
gap in between. It just seems odd that they wouldn't just have a continuous route. Yeah. Also, on that map, the Sunset Limited is still being shown as temporarily suspended between New Orleans and Jacksonville. Um, when are we going to get it back? They're trying. They're trying hard. Uh, Norfolk Southern has been giving Amtrak issues with it. Yeah, I know that they're too. running. That they they're going to start the like a corridor service from New Orleans to Mobile at least in isn't it supposed to start running like next year that's what they claim yeah so you know there is progress being made on gulf rail restoration but we'll see well i've just become so cynical over uh the last four or five years i'm just Mm -hmm. surprised that so much improvement's happening so quickly yeah and this happened around the same time that our president joe biden announced a large infrastructure package, including a significant chunk of funding for Amtrak. Yeah, so this map is essentially probably what they plan on using that package money for. Do you listen to to Roz's podcast? No. At all? Well, there's your problem. But they, they recently did an episode about this new infrastructure plan. And basically what they said is it's all like a very nice start, but they feel like it could be a lot more. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the federal government has never pledged this much money for Amtrak service improvements in the past. So it's certainly exciting, even if we're probably not going to get, for example, uh, Midwest high speed rail out of this. Yet. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm excited for this. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be very uh, a very fruitful project. Yeah, I'm really glad that Scranton is getting service. I've been. That's another thing I've been arg- advocating for for a while. Is Scranton to to get service? Actually, personally, I think it would be great if they could have a New York City to Buffalo service via Scranton, yeah. and they could call it the Phoebe Snow, like the <laughs> yeah. Um, Erie Lackawanna's service that ran that similar route. I think that would be quite successful in addition to serving Scranton and Buffalo that would also serve Binghamton and Ithaca, New York, which are massive college towns. Basically, the Erie Lackawanna should never went away. Exactly. If it were up to me, I would also have a service. It doesn't necessarily have to be Amtrak. It could be run by New York State along the Southern Tier Line, continuing like the Port Jervis line of Metro North, north from Port Jervis to where it would meet up with this Phoebe snow service in like Binghamton. And I know that that service would would be limited to serving Hoboken and not Penn Station, but I think that is an area that is lacking in public transit. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, this, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see all these new routes. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, railroad news, news. Because I can think of something big that's not Amtrak related. NJT has just accepted their first dual mode ALP 45. So electric and diesel. Um, I'm assuming for, uh, actually, I don't know where they're going to use it. Probably on like the North Jersey coastline, for example, which is electric to Long Branch and then diesel to Bayhead or on like the Morrison Essex or um, Montclair Boonton lines 
which are you know partially diesel um, what did uh what did you have in mind i was just going to mention that there was that train crash in taiwan oh yeah yeah uh 51 dead basically a i think it was it was someone had a car where it wasn't supposed to be and it rolled down a slope into a cut where the train line was and onto the tracks and end up derailing a high-speed train and yeah. just went about as well as you would have expected unfortunately yeah so yeah that is just really tragic that that happened they said that the train engineer only had about seven seconds to apply the emergency brake uh so yeah i my 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 thoughts my prayers really go out to the people of taiwan because that's really really sad yeah sorry for the bummer yeah i feel uh, like we need to have uh, some good news after that what else is going on my company blue pine rail is holding a trip to st louis with two vintage rail cars the north pacific stampede pass which is a uh Bud Dome, and then the uh, Seaboard, Co- Seaboard Coastline Sun Lounge, mm. which is basically, it's a really cool car. It's like an observation car, but single level. It has glass on the top and on the sides and on the ends. Yeah. It's a really nice car. Uh, we'll be going to St. Louis uh, September 4th from Chicago. Hopefully soon I can announce some more trips. I really want to do a corridor trip. That's I've been, That'd be really I, cool. I'm looking at it, and if I can make it happen, I will. I'd really like for it to happen, though, because yeah. that's I've just I love the corridor so much. <laughs> and you know, I never I never used to like the corridor a lot until I went there, and then after I went there, I just became a simp. <laughs> for real i love the northeast court i could spend so much time there and that's pretty much the end of my list i think that really wraps up all the major railroad news let's 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 uh let's do a quick conclusion a lot of big changes happening with trains over the next 15 years it looks like with amtrak's going to be investing a lot of money into just all around the country looking forward to to that it's certainly yeah it's certainly an exciting time to be into trains as after... we mentioned but... earlier Canadian Pacific's merging with Kansas City Southern. Nothing has really been announced super recently in Europe, but there has been in recent years a resurgence of um, overnight sleeper trains there as well. And it seems that that trend is only likely to pick up pace after the pandemic ends. Yeah. So, you know, this next decade's just going to be a very exciting time to be a rail fan. Yep. And on that note, we thank you for listening to the Railroad Study Show. If you listen to our show, please make sure to write to us as we appreciate getting your letters. And uh, yeah, if you have any ideas for uh, topics on the show, just write our P.O. box. You can anyway, also, thank, thank you for listening. You can also email us. Yes, at, you can email us. At rr like railroad rr study show at gmail.com and uh yeah that will uh, pretty much conclude our show thank you for listening to us and we hope that you have a wonderful day